Well, top of the morning to you. Uh, this is our key market drivers report for Tuesday, March 22nd. We're actually recording it on Wednesday, so I uh, don't know that that makes a whole lot of difference. But as always, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to call us. You have our contact number you can see here uh, on this first slide. So we'll just go ahead and get right into it. Um, a lot of the things that have been driving markets here in recent weeks are still driving markets. Top of the list remains the Russia-Ukraine war. Uh, the market continues to try to handicap that very difficult situation. Um, when will the war end? How will the war end? How will it affect planting? How will it affect harvest of the current winter wheat crop that's in the field in the Ukraine? Um, all those things and, and the market's answer to those questions seems like it changes uh, very much on a daily basis uh, with the latest news coming out of that part of the world. So. That continues to dominate headlines. When I do turn it over to Scott here in a little bit, uh, he'll talk a little bit. We got some information uh, out of the Ukraine from the Ukrainian Ag Minister, uh, potentially a little bit disturbing, but again, we'll get into the details of that here uh, in a second. For those veg oil-centric customers of ours or those that use a decent amount of veg oil, uh, when you look across the complex, uh, the veg oil prices were the big mover last week, and it was in a downward trajectory. Bean oil was down almost 5%. Uh, palm oil was down over 12.5%, over $220 a ton. And the reason palm oil was down so hard um, is that we got a little bit of relief from the Indonesian government, uh, really on one of the reasons that palm oil has rallied so much in recent weeks, and that is this domestic marketing order. Recall the Indonesian government a few weeks ago uh, uh, issued this domestic marketing order requiring um, palm oil producers to keep 20% of their production domestic. Uh, that's about 20% is about what they use domestically anyway. So didn't seem like too big a deal, but certainly disrupted things because the order was handed down on a plantation by plantation level, not across the whole industry. So it caused a bit of a disruption as domestic plants typically focused on the domestic market now had to figure out how to get 20% of their production to the export market. Uh, similarly, plants that were typically geared to go export now had to figure out how to get 20% of their production into the domestic market. To make matters worse here, a couple weeks later, uh, the Indonesian government doubled down and increased that to 30%, which sent palm oil prices higher yet. What the Indonesian government came out late last week and announced is that they were getting rid of those domestic marketing orders, but they were replacing it with an increase in the export tax. Now it's a scaled tax, but the maximum tax rate on exports would go from $375 a ton US to $675 a ton. This was seen by the market to be a bit less disruptive but the other big reason that we saw palm oil prices down so hard last week, probably a bigger reason, is that there was also rumors coming out of Indonesia that the government there was considering, also as a, as a method to combat food inflation, was considering lowering their 30% or B30 biofuel blending mandate down to 25 or even 20%. That would be considerably less demand than up to the market. And combination of those two things set palm oil prices tumbling pretty good last week. Now, they've rebounded a little bit here um, yesterday uh, uh, and today, or actually Monday and Tuesday. Um, and actually back up again a little bit today, but they haven't recovered anywhere near that 12.7% uh, 
uh, price decline that they lost last week. We've also got the planning intentions and stocks report that comes out next week. Uh, we will talk a little bit more about trade expectations on our call next week. I think generally speaking, just from talking around the industry and, and certainly the, the, the slice of the analyst community that we subscribe to um, and read, I think the market's generally looking for a couple of things here. The market's going to be looking on the intentions report uh, for probably an uptick in the corn and soybean total pool of planted area. Uh, remember, the USDA was a little bit conservative at about 180 million total acres between those two crops. Uh, Bill is about 800,000 acres above that. Much of the analyst community seems to be um, looking for a, a little bit larger pool of planted area simply because of the economic incentive that farmers have to plant every acre that they have. Uh, the other thing that the market's looking for, I think, is generally a little bit more soybeans, a little bit less corn. Uh, I think Bill is at 88.8 .8 million acres of beans. 92 million acres of corn. That's a little bit less corn ground than last year, a little bit more bean ground than last year, and a little bit more total planted area. We'll see where the planning intentions or where the uh, the average trade guess estimates start coming in. We should start getting those later this week or Monday of next week, and we'll certainly report on those um, when we have our call next week. So with that, I'll I'll jump into. We did get another again more for oil centric. Um, but we got our NOPA February crush report last week. Um, crush was about as expected, a little over 165 million bushels. Yes, that is down from January, but as I have to remind people quite often, uh, February has almost 10% fewer days than January. If you look at that 165 million bushel rate, that is just a slight uptick on the daily run rate uh, for the crushers that we saw in January. So that industry continues. Uh, to roll right along. The surprise in this report that we got last week is this oil stocks number. Uh, considerably higher than the trade was expecting. Uh, that would give us an industry-wide stocks number when we get confirmation here at the end of the month uh, from USDA of, of close to or just under um, a more than adequate 2.6 billion pounds of oil sitting around in the industry. If you recall the discussion that we had a month ago when the January report came out, it was the January stocks number that actually looked lower than expected, lower than the trade was expecting. Um, I think looking at this NOPA number, I think it's reasonable to, to at least consider the idea that maybe that January number was the outlier and not this February number. If you look at the stocks build trajectory that we were on prior to January, this February stocks number kind of continues that. It does look like the January number um, might have been a little bit low. I don't know if it was a misreporting issue or exactly what caused it, but um, this continues to give us the, uh, um, it continues to tell us that we've got plenty of soybean oil around right now uh, domestically. So with that, got a lot going on here with the, the Ukraine and other things uh, in the wheat market. And I'll turn it over to Scotty to, to give you the lowdown on that. Yeah, so the wheat market, at least from a pricing perspective, has kind of uh, uh, found a, a, at least a little bit of equilibrium here for the for a while. Wheat was actually down a little yep. bit last week as yep. those corn beans were up a little bit. So. Yeah, so so week over week we were down just a little bit, like Dave said, two two and a half to maybe three percent uh, Friday over Friday. We haven't gone too far from that. Actually, we we might be up a little bit here. 
uh, in the last three days. Um, it remains a, a, a market that's that's focused on uh, war and weather. And, and war, I, I think the headlines there on the war, certainly that's the biggest driver, but um, the market seems to be getting a little bit tired. Um, I, th I think the marketplace has come to the realization that we're not going to get uh, much, if any, of those Ukrainian uh, winter wheat uh, bushels uh, uh, to the open market or to the world market. We're, we're likely going to get uh, some of that uh, crop harvested, uh, maybe a, a good bit of it. But uh, Ukraine still has um, uh, turned off all of their exports. And even if they didn't have their exports turned off, you know that the uh, Russian army is blockaded. I should say the Russian Navy is blockaded the Black Sea. Um, and there's there's nothing coming out of there. Um, this slide that you see here kind of shows you where that uh, production of those big three crops are. Their corn is center north, um, and 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 you know uh, when you look at their wheat, it's mostly center south and maybe a little bit to the east, um, and then sun seed is is again center center east as well. What we're told or what we're hearing, at least in that part of the world, is that sun crop is the one that gets planted first. They'd like to be in the field planting sun seed here in the next you know month. Uh, and then they'll their corn crop, uh, you know, let's say uh, wouldn't be starting until early April and into May, um, and they would be har harvesting their wheat um, likely in you know beginning where we might uh, start uh, uh, early May. They wouldn't be starting theirs uh, until mid to late May and into June. So uh, again, the the, the marketplace um, I, I think has. Uh, discounted any of those Russian uh, wheat bushels coming to the world market this year. And that's not a big thing. We figured out how that uh, we're going to be able to get to the finish line for, for this year's uh, uh, wheat needs. It's next year that we'll have to worry about. And, and it really sounds like, you know, how this war ends and when this war ends is going to be a big determining factor. One of the factors and probably the biggest right now is to uh, what we get planted this spring, what Ukrainian farmers get planted this spring, and what Ukrainian farmers uh, are able to get harvested on this winter wheat crop. So, right, uh, a couple of things on that: their 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 winter wheat crop is in good condition, as is Russia's uh, uh, wheat crop right now. Um, and they're also talking about the farmers in the west around Lviv uh, actually planting more acres. Uh, we just saw a, a report here this morning that the Ukrainian ag minister um, came out and is calling for their total spring planted area, acreage, uh, we use acres, they use hectares, at about 50%. Uh, they were planning for 15 million hectares planted this year to their spring crops. Um, uh, and their their minister is saying only about seven is what they're expecting. From a corn specifically, um, they planted 5.4 million hectares last year. They think only 3.3 million hectares this year. That's a 39% decrease. They did not split out the sun uh, seed numbers. So obviously that's going to be a, a big thing going forward. Um, talking about Russia, uh, Russia has resumed their, um, their shipments of wheat uh, certainly, and actually are, are shipping pretty good through the month of March. What's going to limit them going forward, certainly, is 
who they can trade with and their uh, export financing. Uh, one last thing, um, speaking of who's gonna pick up the balance of all of this, India, uh, I, I've told you in, in calls past that India has had a, a an outstanding record crop this year. Um, the private analysts think it's it's possibly over 111 million tons. Uh, the USDA did not raise that production in their balance sheet, but they did raise exports up to 8.5. Privates are calling for you know up to 10 million or even more uh, of, of exports out of that country. They're government is going to take advantage of these high prices and uh, they've ramped up their infrastructure. They've added testing labs. They're uh, uh, working on, on storage at the port. Uh, so it appears that India will, will help uh, pick up some of the slack there. Now you're seeing on this uh, slide, um, you know, I, I got this, this article last week from U.S. Wheat Associates and um, their, their whole point of their article was you know, every time prices have gone up here in the last uh, couple of decades, it's big it's, runs. Yeah, it's it's a big run, and it's Russia's fault. Well, you know, everybody wants to beat on Russia right now, and and for honestly, that uh, that that's not a bad thing, I suppose. But we can't blame them for all of these run-ups. If you go back to that very first big run-up, you know, we're at 14-year highs right now, so 07 and 08. We were already in a bit of a tight uh, a food scenario in the world in, in 07, leading up to uh, the end of 07 and into 08. Um, and, and we had uh, some other inflation issues going on. And so their uh, cutting of their exports and raising their export taxes was, you know, was just kind of added to the top of the pile. Did they have a production issue that year? They had a little bit of a production issue that year. But remember, too, they were not the world's uh, leading exporter of wheat back then yeah, either. Sure. Yeah. So it wasn't as big of a deal. Another another one, if you look at that uh, run-up, let's say, in, in 2012, the summer of 2012, we had a rough crop. We had a drought that year going into 13. Um, and then Russia, you know, kind of adds a little bit of fuel to the fire and, and we ran up over nine bucks. Now, this time um, you can see there last year we were a, a, a tightening balance sheet in the world. Then we had our 30 uh, year drought here in the United States and Canada that affected our spring wheat crop. Um, and that, you know, put our handle uh, of wheat prices around eight bucks and which which kind of made sense now. What happened since then, certainly we can blame all of that on, on Russia uh, because of the invasion of Ukraine and, and we ran up to those 14 year highs. But the point is um, uh, they have played a role but uh, and a contributing role, but probably uh, uh, not completely um, uh, legitimate to say that they have caused all of it. So. Well, thanks. I'll throw it back to you here in a little bit, Scotty. We'll talk about the dairy. But before we get to that, let's talk about a couple things weather. Matter of fact, I might throw it back to you in a minute to talk about wheat uh, and, the, and the rain that we've gotten here in the, uh, the, the wheat areas. Um, you've heard me say it on past calls. I will say it again on this call. The uh, commodity casino is open uh, and business is brisk. Uh, for those of you, if you look at the, the red circles up there, the percent of open interest held by the SPAC the speculator in these markets, um, 
kind of a rough rule of thumb. I don't pay too much attention to spec positions below 10%. They don't seem to have much effect on market pricing on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, over 10%, I start paying some attention. 15% and above is a large spec position. And rarely does the speculator have over 20% of open interest. You can see here four of the ag commodities um, the spec has over 20% of open interest. I don't know that I've ever seen that before in my 40-year career. Uh, soybean oil, soybean meal, Kansas City, uh, and Minneapolis wheat. Uh, the spec also has a sizable position at almost 18% of open interest in the corn market. That is not to insinuate that markets are overpriced today. That is not in any way to insinu insinuate that we're going to go down anytime soon. Certainly, the fundamentals... Uh, centering around the Russia-Ukraine situation and some of the other things that Scott has mentioned um, are really bigger drivers right now. And um, it, I will say this about Scott's comment about what the Russia or the uh, Ukraine ag minister said today. Um, I would say, and I think that um, uh, Bill Lapp, the analyst that we work very closely with, would, would agree with us uh, completely that if that Russian ag or the Ukrainian ag minister's acreage estimates are correct, that we are probably actually undervalued uh, today on some of these prices. So there is still a lot of risk in this market. There is still a tremendous amount of risk to the upside. Um, obviously, there's downside risk in any market. And as high as we are historically, uh, and with this much spec interest on the long side, there's also a good bit of downside risk as well, but a market that contains a, quite a bit of commodity risk at this point. Um, how do we do with the rainfall here, Scott, um, on the hardwood winter wheat area? There's the last seven days. Yeah, and I remember that's from yes. Monday. Yeah. And this forecast chart you're looking at here is from Monday also. Um, we had a nice, a real nice rain event that kind of started midday Monday. And you can kind of see it uh, here on the forecast. We've gotten a lot of that uh, light or, you know, middle colored blue across the Oklahoma panhandle and, and Kansas here and Nebraska. We, we got a real nice rain of, of, of a good you know, quarter of an inch at a minimum to a, a half or three quarters um, of good widespread coverage. And, and that certainly is, has been a good, a good thing. Um, we got some of our state um, condition reports uh, again yesterday. In Texas, it's still not very good. Uh, they need some help down there. Only 6% good. No excellent, but that was unchanged week over week. Colorado was 19% good only, no excellent, but no change week over week. Oklahoma was actually down 3%, 21% good to excellent, but Kansas went up four. They're at 27% good to excellent right now. And those are probably not reflected too much in the forecast rain, maybe a little bit of help that we got, as I just showed you, and I'll back up and show it to you again. Yeah, we'll have one more... One more week of just state reports, and then on Monday the 4th, we will get a Nash, our first national report. Okay, from the USDA, super. All right, and uh, Scott, while you have the floor, you want to you just kind of take us through uh, uh, the dairy complex. Yeah, the big news, I think, this week, we'll, we'll first hear on, on this slide, we're kind of hanging in uh, for cheese that, that uh, mid-to-teens level. Um, we, we've got milk production reportedly uh, rising a little bit. Now, I'm going to talk about the February numbers here on the next slide, but it, it seems like the March uh, production is, is reportedly increasing a little bit. So uh, we're seeing still strong demand, 
from all three sectors, retail, food service, and export. And that's keeping our prices up here you know, uh, in the uh, low $2 range. On butter, it's very uh, uh, steady here in the, in the mid 270s, but you'll see there in the international prices, those are both well over $3 right now. Um, and we're starting to see, um, you know, that the ice cream season is starting to ramp up. Uh, the, the cream supply is adequate, but the, you know, the prices are maybe a little bit higher than they have been. So on the next slide here, you'll see that February milk production, little bit bullish. Um, you, you see there that we did see a little bit of an improvement over January. January, if you remember, was down 1.7% year over year. The, the February number is now down only, only 1%. Um, but, but remember, that's, that's the second worst that we've seen going all the way back to 2009. Um, and, and we generally just don't, we just hardly haven't seen negative numbers on milk production here uh, for the last several years. Um, the cow efficiency continues to climb, uh, you know, a tenth of a percent better year over year. Uh, but speaking of cows, um, you know, we, we are still down pretty remarkably from what we were a year ago, down 96,000 head year over year. But we did grow um, for the first time in nine months, uh, month over month, we we added three thousand head uh, from January. So um, not a great report, certainly, and and certainly leans a little bit uh, bullish, but but not uh, uh, you know it, it's not horrible. Let's put it that way. It beats the heck out of January's numbers, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think the other thing you'll notice uh, uh, from a milk production standpoint, we're at seventeen point five billion pounds. If you look at last month's number, we were up at still over 18 billion. That's all because of uh, the February. Yep. Uh, you know, we have less days in February. All right. Well, thank you for that, Scott. Um, and as always, uh, again, on this last slide, you see our contact information. Uh, please don't hesitate to, to pick up the phone or shoot us an email if you have any questions at all. And as always, and especially in these markets, uh, be careful out there.